Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham, and once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, someone I'm a huge fan of from the band Palehound, L. Kempner, is here. And my gosh, we have a fun conversation. More on that in one second. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutofpunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do. You can also find uh, the show on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook, all at Turned Out of Punk on those platforms. You can find me on Twitter or X and Instagram at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, support the show by telling all your friends about this podcast, letting them all know there's this podcast. Sometimes it's talking to someone about how this stuff isn't punk. Sometimes it's talking about someone to someone about how this stuff is punk. You know, we, we have a very wide range of guests and wide range of definitions of punk on this podcast. And if you think your friends would like that, tell them about it. I also play in a band. The band is called Fucked Up. And speaking of punk, we're about to go on tour with the band that kind of invented this thing. Debatable, but they certainly played a large part in inventing this thing. The Damned. That's right. One of the greatest bands ever. Ever. So if you're listening to this episode when it came out, go over to fuckedup.cc and check out the dates that those shows with the Baby Shakes and another fantastic band. Oh my gosh, I'm excited for this tour. Come and see us. Come and hang out with uh, with us and say hi. And see The Damned. Oh my God, the, the Damned. Oh, we have a brand new single too. It's called Show Friends. And you can order it over there at fuckedup.cc. All right, on to today's show. As I said at the top, from the band Palehound, L. Kempner is here. And I'm very excited for you to hear this one. Uh, L is someone who I became familiar with through their work in the group Palehound. And I am a, uh, I'm a fan. And so to get a chance to sit down and talk to them, that is something I'm very excited to do. But also, I love the fact that one week on the show, or one episode on the show, or on this feed, whatever, it's Chris Estrada and I talking to Fat Mike about this stuff being punk and that stuff not being punk. And then here we are a week later talking to L and L is not trying to argue that the stuff that got them into punk is somehow like the, the greatest punk stuff of all time. But the fact remains that they got into punk music through stuff that is not considered punk necessarily or, or authentic punk quote unquote by a lot of people. But yet 
It let Elle to produce fantastic music, be part of an incredible DIY community, contribute to that incredible DIY community. So is it any less valid? That's what I'm getting at here on the show. I think that no matter what your experience with punk is, it, it's part of the tapestry as long as you're contributing to this thing at the end. It doesn't matter how you got to the party. All that matters is that you're you're at the party and you're a participant, an active participant at the party. Anyway, does this make any sense, anyone? Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now. I'm rambling. As you'll hear on the episode, I get high and I, I ramble real good on this one. But I will tell you, check out the fantastic new record, Eye on the Bat from Pale Hound, available now from the fine folks over there at the Foundational Polyvinyl Records. Yeah, Foundational. It's, it's one of those labels that kind of help build this thing. And uh, you can find that anywhere and everywhere you listen to music. And then L is taking the show on the road with Pale Hound throughout the rest of October into November. So check out dates over at on the Instagram for Pale Hound on on the internet. You put in if you don't know how the internet works, you go to this thing called Google, you put in the name of the band, you put in the, the tour dates, maybe a couple other indicating pieces of information. You don't even need that most of the time. You just put in the name of the group and the and tour dates, and the, it all comes up for you. It's all there. But there's also Pale Hound on, on Instagram and all sorts of other places. You can find out this information. All right. I'm not going to explain the internet anymore to you. I'm going to let you sit back, relax, and enjoy L. Kempner on Turned Out a Punk. L., thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm well, stoked. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your records, your music. Pale Hound's awesome. And uh, I actually cheated and I went and listened to you actually talk about two artists that I'm sure are going to come up very quickly oh, yeah? in the podcast. And it's two artists that I don't think I've really had a chance to talk about on this show in great detail. So I'm looking forward to expanding on these podcasts you've already done on these subjects. But uh, oh, awesome. I got to start off. know which ones. Yeah, I know. I know. But uh, I got to start off the way they all start off which is, L, how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there right now that I feel like my relationship to punk has actually really kind of been like a an interesting road because at first I felt kind of alienated from it as a genre. Um, I don't really know why. I think I just felt like at the time... Well, so I am 29, and like the punk that I was like my current punk was more like pop punk so like mm. my first introduction to punk was like through pop punk and scene stuff and i felt like i couldn't really engage in that community so i always was like really into it but like didn't feel you know punk enough like aesthetically you know like i was like i was flat ironing my hair and like trying to like wear the right clothes but i could never get it right <laughs> so it's like really funny because it's like my relationship to punk is like I've always loved it, but I've always loved it with this like hesitation. Um, yeah, it was a, it was like a, I think retrospectively, uh, not a great period in terms of like on ramps for punk rock. And, yeah. and this, I think we'll, we'll talk about this in a second. I'm sure when we talk about your first show, but simple plan, um, wasn't Nirvana. They weren't referencing the same stuff or like, they're not green day bringing pans division on tour. Like they were, uh, the stuff, it was a very commodified version of mainstream punk rock by the time the early two thousands kind of rolled around. 
Totally. And I think with that came like this heavy emphasis on like aesthetics and hot topic and stuff like that in a way that I felt was like not completely accessible to me. But I loved the music. And um, I mean, it's so funny because I would say my actual introduction to punk was Avril Lavigne um, just because she would talk about it all the time. And to me, at the age of like whatever, eight or nine, who had no I had no exposure to like actual like quote unquote actual punk, like old school stuff. and so I was like, whoa, like she skate, you know, she skateboards and she wears a tie and that's what punk is. And so I was trying to kind of like that was my intro. And that's when I would like first heard the word and was first like, what is this? Well, it's, it's, so, it's so fascinating to think about how many more kids were exposed to straight edge by Avril Lavigne than Ian Mackay yeah. ultimately. Yeah, it's actually really amazing. It's it's totally true. Like Avril Lavigne was my gateway drug, <laughs> Yeah, you know. <laughs> like i think the first time i heard the word punk was like the skater boy lyric like he was a punk she did ballet i was like what does that mean because well, you've i've heard you talk about it before you grew up with music around what kind of music were your parents into classic rock you okay. know um classic rock with like not too much of the heavy stuff like the heaviest we'd listen to would be like led zeppelin you know like we didn't <laughs> they didn't even really go into like black sabbath or anything like that so like the heaviest <laughs> was like you know helter skelter by the beatles you know so it was like pretty mellow um yeah like the who and and stuff like that can i swear on this podcast i I played a bank all fucked up you you got i was gonna say yeah Yeah. i was like i was gonna say shit like that and then i hesitated and i was like your band is called (laughs) fucked up by the way i love your band oh thank you that's a a good opportunity for me to slide that oh well thank you very much i i swear i wasn't fishing for that i promise Um, no no no, i know you weren't that's why i wanted to put that in there oh i appreciate that well but i guess going back to that your parents stuff because connecticut has you grew up in connecticut right I did. There, there's such like a, a cool history of independent rock music, not necessarily. Well, there's like capital H hardcore stuff, obviously with like youth of the day and things like that, but then also like uh miracle Legion. And there's like a lot of cool kind of independent rock music Were your parents into any of that stuff that was happening. Not at Legion? all. Not at all. <laughs> like, they were not. <laughs> I love my parents, but they were not cool enough for that. <laughs> like I remember when I found out that my mom, was the same age as like Kim Deal. And I was like, how, what happened? How did you not teach me about the Pixies? Like, how did that happen? No, I, they were not connected with that at all. I had to just kind of like find that shit on my own. Um, And I had friends that were a little connected. Like it really, once I got to high school, that's when, I mean, there was that band, um, I forgot what they're called, but they were a Connecticut band. But like once I got to high school, that's like when I heard of, and this is not, I don't know if they define themselves as a punk band, but Avlov, are you familiar with Avlov? No. Oh man, you got to listen to Avlov. O V L O V. It's Volvo spelled backwards. Okay. They're a Connecticut band from Newtown, Connecticut. And it's um, led by this guy, Steve Hartlett, who I've known. Like, so basically, I got started like getting into the, um, my, my actual like, intro to like my with my own like me in rooms where i felt like it was like a punk situation or whatever that's like the least punk way of saying that (laughs) um a punk situation um was like when i started getting involved with like exploding in sound records um when i was 17 have you heard of that record label yeah yeah absolutely yeah so that's like back when it was because i grew up in connecticut so i would take the train into the city um to see like these shows that were at these diy venues in brooklyn like the old silent barn and shea stadium and um big snow which was the name of a venue that was here and these were all just completely under the radar like totally you know run by punks venues and that's where i started like discovering like 
what the actual culture was outside of like the commodified like simple plan like pop mm-hmm. punk like all time low um you know because i had been to see like all time low at ap tour once and then i like went to one of these shows and i was like this is really different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but avlov was a band that i discovered through that scene and they're connecticut base and it's still one of my favorite bands of all time and that's when i first started like becoming aware that there was a connecticut scene even at all it feels like it's always an inverse like this in punk rock when like mainstream punk or whatever's you know being taken up as punk might not be the greatest thing the underground is like really popping and stuff's really happening and i feel that with that brooklyn scene um kind of like towards the end of you know the brooklyn waterfront diy venues there was like just a lot of cool bands and a lot of cool artists that kind of got into it through going to these shows that were just happening around there that's exactly what happened is that i kind of just like got into that scene through my friend sadie who is in that band 3d ortiz Mm -hmm. she's in that band and she was like a friend of mine who kind of had an in there and lived there and was like inviting me to stuff um yeah i just remember i don't know if you know know that band big ups yeah that band was amazing i remember seeing them um yeah all those like you said those waterfront uh like williamsburg venues that are now fucking vice offices i don't think they're i don't think they're vice offices anymore i think even the vice offices are gone god it's such a waste (laughs) fucking waste um but yeah that's when i was like whoa okay i get it now i was like this is what it is you know it can mean so many different things punk you know it's well it's interesting when you look at punk as being this thing that ultimately destroys the neighborhood like no it's not punk's fault but like (laughs) punk will attract the next wave of of people that will commodify it or or try and make money off it or 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 you know like like it could be a coffee shop but it could also be vice it could be an art gallery like it could be cooler things but it ultimately takes spaces away from the people that live there and even the punks in the end and it's happened in toronto it happens in cities time and time again and it's it's one of those sad realities i guess of of punk needing to just find space but ultimately as the scene getting better and these shows getting bigger are going to be the harbinger of what's going to kill it off because these things are going to move in that ultimately are going to get supplanted by condos like totally exactly like the vice office is just going to turn into an empty condo or like a google office or some bullshit Yeah. yeah um but yeah that is interesting and i've thought about because i was actually just i was actually just in williamsburg the other day getting a slice of pizza at this place joe's pizza uh with my friend and this guy sat down next to us and he was like this like old school staten island like italian guy and he was like i've been working for the fire department you know for 20 years and this block has changed so much and i remember when it was all punks you know on drugs and now it's all these european tourists <laughs> and it's just like and it, <laughs> you know and it's like it's true though like that's yeah. that's the uh, that's the really sad trajectory because you know punk even at, at its core, like, DI, you know, I think like I'm using the word punk, but really what my actual association with it is like what I would call like DIY. That's kind of like what we were all talk, calling it, I guess, at the time, but like, and still, um, but it's very fashionable. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this thing that is not supposed to be, it's like supposed to be just there's this organic community thing, but then people see it as like, that's hip, that's fashionable. Then they like, then those people move in and, you know, it's the tale, tale as old as time. Yeah, it is. And it's also, cause I guess, it gives so many cool, unique voices entry. There's just so many people that kind of come out of it, be it in a world like fashion or in film or in art that ultimately bring other eyeballs towards it, that it's going to, I don't know. Anyway, 
we can go on this forever and we probably will get back to this, but going back to when you were getting into it, you mentioned simple plan. It was a simple plan. Avril Lavigne show. That was your first show, right? Oh yeah, it was a Canadian classic double bill. I mean, it was just like (laughs) blew my mind. What was so funny about seeing simple plan is that when I saw them, I had like, you know, listened to the radio Disney and, and shit like that. Like at the time. And when I heard simple plan, I was like, that's the band. That's the band I've been hearing on the radio. Like that's that voice. But in hindsight, it might've been blink 182. It might've been like any of those other bands. (laughs) But I remember I was like, what, this is that band. But I think I was just like, this is the genre that I've been hearing. Yeah. But at the time I was like, that's the band. (laughs) And it probably was blank actually. that I was thinking of. (laughs) But it it was wild to me that they got, because they got huge in America. Simple plan. Huge. Yeah. No pads, no helmets, just balls. That's classic record. <laughs> it's so funny because <laughs> when that came out, I'm like, these dudes know better. Like, you know, like Blink-182, it's arguable because whether it was ever known better than some of the, you know, puns like that. But like with those, <laughs> like I remember seeing Reset and being like, nah, these guys were talking a completely different game on stage back then. Like this is a, uh, they're pandering. They're trying to get this audience. Totally. And it's just interesting when you have like punk music on a major label and like just like the dynamic of that where like the lyrics are about rebellion and being yourself and all this stuff. But it's like this highly glossed like it's this glossy package. behind. And I think that was like such a mis that was like such a weird uh, inter- like, yeah, introduction to, to punk for me because I was like, is this what it is? But it was directly connected to it. Right. Like Avril Lavigne had all her band were people that played in like local punk bands back then is that and, true that's yeah sick. and uh i trying to remember all their names now but uh, they were all like in these sort of like oshawa area punk bands and it's kind of like some 41 kind of came out of that and it was like all people that were friends with some 41 who were managed by the same people that were managing avril Levine or same sort of network management company and so they just kind of recruited all these people from like some 41 affiliate type bands from back then that's actually kind of nice to hear that the that it stemmed from a community of sorts and wasn't just a complete put together label thing. That's it, actually kind of nice to hear. Well, I don't know because I heard you parse this. I listened to a podcast where you talked about Avril Lavigne. So, and that's and I've I've never gotten a chance to really talk about it. And I feel not that I was like inside it in any sort of great way, but because it was just kind of happening in Toronto, it was fascinating to hear you kind of take it up and kind of try and you know, balance the fact that it was this thing that was kind of organic and ultimately was awesome. Like it got people like yourself into punk. Like it was an incredible on-ramp, but it also is like you're saying this sort of gross corporate put together version of this thing that ultimately is awesome with good songs. So it's not bad and there's no judgment on it, but it is an outgrowth of this thing that's so anti-punk. Exactly. Where it's like, yeah, my first concert was Avril Lavigne and Simple Plan, but it was at a giant arena in New Jersey, (laughs) you know, like where I was like, you know, drinking Coke products and, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was like, and then, yeah, exactly. I don't know. And then I didn't really start learning about like, quote unquote, like real punk until I was like in eighth grade and I had a friend who had like a cool older sister um and she was like operation ivy and the misfits <laughs> and pixies and i was like what the fuck is this like well, yeah the guy who played bass in avril's band uh on the first two records or like i don't think he actually played he, played, he maybe played on the second record but he was the guy who played bass live certainly and was in all the videos 
um, did all the DIY shows in so Oshawa sick. back then. Did the propaganda show that I went to. Of course, his his old old, old band opened, but uh, he did the so propaganda sick. show and stuff. So it is like, I don't know, it's weird. That's the thing about this punk thing. Like, uh, you know, I've never really thought about it, like, but like that gentrification thing we're talking about where ultimately it's going to lead to this sort of corporate monolith on top of it. That's what's going to happen with punk as music too. It's going to like lead to this corporate version of but in the same way that maybe in one of these condos there's going to be a kid who winds up doing a punk band there's going to be kids that get into the band um anyway i'm stoned so that probably is why this no, is no, going no. The direction you're, it's you're going to if I'm you're right following on. me if you're following, I'm following me with this, you. Okay, oh good. i'm right here i'm okay, right here good I'm, i was like i'm, I'm this right going, next to you is this going it's weird? going we're going okay, we're going good. but it's it's i don't know it's weird how the seeds for its own destruction are sown into itself but that's all it's like the matrix like ultimately yeah. it's going to lead to the next revolution which is funny because we still see it like look at olivia rodrigo mm -hmm. you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's just like this constant recycling of like what was punk into the commodification of that into a commodification of that like it's so funny because you listen to olivia rodrigo and it's like she's like you know referencing like old punk artists like paramore <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh shit this is what's happening isn't it and well, i i mean i love olivia rodrigo i love all that shit i love pop so that's why i never had an issue with pop punk as like a genre i love it you know i think it's something i've come to now especially being uh, a parent to younger kids and being Cute. humbled well it just and it humbles you yeah totally. right like you realize that like no like it does not matter how cool your record collection is because they're gonna like what they're gonna like in spite of oh, that yeah. and so whatever people like and brings them joy who am i to judge like at one point i remember just being you know simple plan come on give me a break like what are <laughs> they doing but you know you need that you need simple plan you know you need the clash to do should should i stay or should i go or else you won't get the next generation of kids that are going to build that scene Totally. Because how are you going to hear about that? Like, how am I? How was I as like a 10 year old in, you know, Connecticut supposed to hear about punk music? I, where, where, where the fuck was I? I heard it on Radio Disney. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's like that was the only way I discovered music. And I heard like, you know, Skater Boy and was like this something about this. And that's like the gateway. So I think that stuff is cool. I mean, I think like, I don't know, I saw Paramore like a month ago. And that was awesome just to like, and that was a band that I always loved, but felt like not cool enough to or like whatever for like mm -hmm. at the time I like didn't have straight enough hair I wasn't like seen enough or something I always loved Paramore and she was just like so I mean like she was talking about how like they had sold out two nights at Madison Square Garden and she was like it's taken forever this first time we've done this and I was like that's fucking punk like this girl has been working for so fucking long like even though she is like has always been on a major label like this is still like you can still see organic like punk ethos and like the heart of it in those artists you know like she's someone that i'm just like man she's just like been working her ass off and has been like staying true to herself the whole time and that's what that's cool well in in, in a way she's like the you know and people are gonna definitely get upset when i say this but like a patty smith of her generation in mm -hmm. that she's going to inspire a wave of of people to get into this music totally and i saw her i because i wasn't even supposed to go to that show my friend and uh, my best friend and their girlfriend were going but then their girlfriend got sick last minute so they're like you want to come and I was like hell yeah and I was like watching her and I was like oh my god I always forget that Haley Williams is like like one of the biggest like legendary rock stars of this time like this is like she's like this is like history I don't know you know what I mean like I was just, <laughs> she's so important I don't know I know you know 
as we were talking about your parents being a classic rock, like this kind of music transition in the classic rock era and the people that kind of get, you know, like I never thought Blink-182 would be this big. Like, obviously they were always big, but now they're at a stage where they're like, God, they're like Metallica big. But mind you, Metallica's like, Metallica's like the Grateful Dead now. So I guess it's all, <laughs> everything moves into the next stage. <laughs> Blink-182, I mean, especially, I mean, it's just so funny, like the Kardashian of Blink-182 recently, too. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't get bigger. It couldn't get... No, that's about as big as it gets, is yeah. if a Kardashian is dating Travis Barker. Well, I was walking through... I took my kids to to the movies yesterday, and we're walking through uh, to, to the Barbie movie. We went to see the Barbie movie yesterday, and we're walking through the mall. Awesome. And every second shirt's a Kurt Cobain shirt or a Nirvana shirt. And, like, in American Eagle, they've got a Kurt shirt on one of the mannequins it's like well this is this is the biggest band there this is the beatles kind of level like yeah. i didn't see any beatles shirts yesterday no no it's like this is the new vintage you know like yeah. that's the thing is that it's like this is the new this is the new classic rock mm-hmm. um it's like nirvana and you know uh def leopard all, all those like stuff like that from that like 80s 90s that are turning into like t-shirts i don't know if you saw that like Yves Saint Laurent recently put out a collection of like Nirvana shirts for like four thousand dollars or something. Yeah, were they boot like are they like remakes of the shirts or are they like they're vintage? remakes? Oh wow, they're remakes. It's just like this crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And then <laughs> wow. you see those like stores like John Varvatos, like these big designers with these super expensive like ripped clothes. I mean, that's always been a thing with punk though. Yeah, you know, well, that's always it... been. It's turned into like expensive clothes that are made to look you make you look poor. Well, it's you know? funny. It's funny because it's like the first commodity genre. People talk about yeah. pop music, and I guess pop music there was too, right, in the 60s. But punk, it's like right at the gate, there's Sex the Shop. There's punk, the magazine. The name comes from a yeah. magazine. Like, it, it's it's something that was so cynical that it was completely rife to just play the game in terms of totally. commercialization. And I can't think of another genre that has as deep of an aesthetic as punk either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, the visuals of punk. Like, I can't think of another genre besides, like, hair metal or something that, like, has, yeah. like, that distinct of, like, a, yeah, a fashion sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, like, very, like, you know, like, I guess maybe you're right, metal, there's some delineation to it, and, and probably in music genres that I'm not as immersed in, there must be, but, oh, like... Goth. Goth, but, like, yeah, like, but goth, there's, like, I can picture, like, maybe two or three different types of goths. Whereas yeah, punk, there's totally. like so many people, like you're saying, DIY to to like straight edge hardcore to power violence to like to like scene thra- kids to scene kids to thrash kids to pop punk kids to skater kids. They all have like completely different aesthetics, but so defined that if you see one, you immediately know. Yep. This is the type of music that person's into. Totally. Skinheads. And like all that sort of stuff too, right? Like it's all mm-hmm. like immediately definable, and so yeah, mohawks, bright colors, hair, you know. Yeah. Did you did you try doing bands before you started going to these DIY shows in Brooklyn? Like, did I try doing what before the DIY shows? bands or playing in music stuff? Sort of. I mean, where I grew up, like you know, I was like just so not around things, you know. <laughs> like yeah. there was like I played like by myself. I was like really into like singer songwriter stuff like early on and like i the first shows that i played were like well i mean avril obviously was like my foundation but then that turned into like you know later on i started liking like ani defranco and like liz fair and stuff like that so that was kind of like 
the vibe I was trying to go for, like what I like had heard that I liked. And so I was like playing, but like my only venues were like local teen centers, you know, where it's like, I would ask, I would like beg my friends to come. I had to beg them to come. I was like, please, you guys just like, don't have literally anything else going on. Why don't you just come see me play? It's like, Oh, my mom can't give me a ride. Like, you know, like (laughs) that whole thing. So it's like, that was my whole, that was my whole situation. So like I, and there were not a lot of people around me that played music that I felt comfortable talking to because I was like really shy I was kind of weird I had like a back brace I like didn't know how to dress you know (laughs) like and um I didn't really start my first band until I was a junior in high school actually and started a, a band called cheerleader which it was just me and a drummer everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But that was, yeah, my first band. What was the vibe of that? Um, kind of punk, you know, it was just like me on, it was very like, you know, we loved like the AAS that was like, to me, like as, as punk as it got was like fever to tell at the time I was like, Whoa, you know, it was like, that was kind of the vibe we were going for. It was like, just like no bass, just like guitar and drums, you know, and singing. And like, I, I obviously wasn't in this scene. Um, but from the outside, it seems like kind of that scene version of punk was very like dude orientated and, oh my and god yeah for like as as kind of like open-minded presenting as it would appear on the surface it feels like a lot of the bands a lot of dudes in bands i can't think of too many bands that didn't have like cis dudes kind of in them back and then. that's why i like brought up Haley williams is because yeah. she actually gave a speech at the show where she was just like I've been through shit, man. Like I've like, you know, she gave a speech about like how they got to that point that they'd gotten to and how much she'd had to fight through just by being a girl. And yeah, I mean, I remember going to AP tour, you know, alternative press magazine tour um, when I was in eighth grade to see the bill was like all time low. uh, Fucking the rocket summer, just like shit like that. And I remember just feeling so insecure in that environment because I was just like, I don't know. There was just like a bad vibe. And I think with that pop punk stuff with like those, those dudes and those bands, you know, they were like, I mean, it's like notorious that they were all trying to sleep with teenagers. Like, you know, I had, um, and so that was a huge turnoff, you know, was to me, it didn't feel like I was able to be in a band. It felt like I, my designated role was fan. I Mm. think is really what that felt like at the time. And that's, I think that's like the, you know, you brought up Haley Williams, obviously Karen O too. Like there's like, these moments that you have these sort of breakthrough beacons and then it, it feels like so long ago now and it seems like things have changed in like a, they have changed a lot yeah. because of those two honestly like largely because of those two women you and know avril. like and avril and like kathleen hannah and like yeah. you know just like there but like people who have like had to go through shit so that we can like you know do our thing yeah it was weird seeing bikini kill I finally got to see them when they did the reunion. I never got to see them the first time around. Saw them a couple of years ago too. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was like, it was amazing, but it was like, it was like this sort of like welcoming jubilation, you know, adulation from the audience. Like just 
you know, like just such love and just so contrary to every show video I'd saw, seen of them play in the 90s where there were like obviously shows where they were completely in step with the audience. But there's a lot of shows that you'd see videos of or hear legend of where they're f- having to physically fight the audience. Fucking crazy. It's like I saw Le Tigre. Is it Le Tigre? Le, like, I don't know. Le Tigre. Le Tigre? But I, I like I might be okay. wrong. I didn't do well in French in school at all. I don't know anything, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just say Le Tigre because that sounds good. Um, I saw them last week. Um, because they just did their reunion tour, and it was so powerful to just see Kathleen Hanna. You know, just to like see this person who has been like I like looked at her and I was like, man, like I could I couldn't be here doing what I'm doing without you. Like this woman is like that. She's the reason. You know, like that. Like like a huge part of that and. You know, it was just, you know, I went into it and I was like, that's, that's the trailblazer. Like, that's who did it. This is who, like, like, she, like, really started this on her own. But it was also a couple of days after Sinead O'Connor died. And she, Kathleen Hanna on stage at Brooklyn Steel, gave, started crying talking about Sinead O'Connor. And what she said was so powerful, where she was just like, that was the person who made me feel like I could do what I did. You know, she was like, I saw this woman that was only this girl that was only like two years older than me ripping up a photo of the Pope on SNL. And then I was like, I, I can, I can do that. I can. And then that was just such an amazing and profound moment. Cause I was just like, yeah, like we've been like learning from each other this whole time. And like Kathleen Hanna learned from Sinead O'Connor who took like the biggest possible hit from like being a punk, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. we're constantly like women in music. I mean, not to go into like down that road, like entirely, but like, you know, it was really, really profound to be like, right, Kathleen Hanna was also inspired by someone who took risks and like, you know, fought against all this bullshit. Like she wasn't the first. Yeah. Well, it, and there's this group from here, Fifth Column, and finding out that they were inspirational on Bikini Kill and like the, you know, like I remember talking to Toby Vale for the first time and just Toby talking about Fifth Column oh, cool. and just having getting like like a new appreciation for this band that like you know i'd seen their records and i i knew they were important but just being like oh my gosh like they inspired the group that inspired everything that changed like that are the reason that zines were acceptable academic things to reference in university kind of comes out of bikini killing away and riot girl and everything and like it's a it's so profound the impact it is extremely profound and it is also just like that I don't know just seeing and like also seeing how young Kathleen Hanna is still where I was just like man you have achieved so much in so little time like you like the difference between like you know she's 54 she said that on stage she's 54 she ended the set by jump roping I was just like and she's at the end of a month-long tour I'm just like how is that even possible but also just yeah being reminded like damn you're so young like that was recent that you were like having to fight audience members like and now i can play in a band and not have to worry about that at all partly because of you you know yeah no it, it definitely uh it yeah there's just like these so many diff- pioneers of of things and there's and there's a lot that obviously get acknowledged and get credit but then there's so many that don't to to have this moment where punk is finally like jane county jane county is like the first punk rocker ever you know, and, and here she is, a member, like, you know, riding at Stonewall. Now, finally, punks at a place where you feel like her legacy will finally be acknowledged. You know, it feels like maybe we're at a point where 
like this is a, a, a watershed moment for the genre. It's going to get better from here. I think so too. I think so too. And you even see just like so many incredible bands like are always coming up that are just like, I don't know, like I saw Sheer Mag announced an album the other day. I fucking live for that band. I don't know. There's just like tons of, it's just like, well, yeah, it's, it's cool to just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> or just like, but just, yeah, new like groups of people who can be included in this, right? Where it's like, even like Riot Girl, it's like, that was so profound, but it's also all like cis, skinny, white women. And now you see like someone like that band Gloss um, that mm-hmm. was around where it's like, you know, trans women doing punk. And then you see Sheer Mag where it's like, you know, a fat person doing punk and just like stuff where it's like, there's just still room to go and just more people to be inspired. And, and I think, like well, and I think like you're saying, like there's so many, it gets narrowed so much in terms of genre and, and so many stuff gets squeezed out that like the stuff of sister girl riot that was happening in like the nineties in New York, that was like sort of a black women reaction to, to riot girl and kind of like, you know, but there's no records. There's no sadly documentaries about it. It's just sort of completely, unacknowledged but it feels like this might be the point where you have acknowledgement come to some of these scenes and that you can have the 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 whole story finally get told totally that is a good thing about like you know having like the internet or something now is that now we can kind of like have these records that exist and like there's it's more accessible for people to get their music out there and share it and i think that that's like been taken a had a really good effect on things like you were saying with Sinead o'connor i think it only when she passed did I really kind of stop and think like, oh yeah, like the week, like she tears the picture up the week after on Saturday Night Live, I think Joe Pesci's on and just cuts like the most hateful promo on her. There's like a bunch of skits making fun of her and there's now with social media, you'd know what she was going through and there'd be sort of like an understanding of what she's going through at the time. It was just sort of this attack on her and you never really heard what that was like on the other side or you know she would obviously do these interviews that would be broken down to sound bites but there certainly wasn't opportunity for her to kind of really express herself on her own terms about what no, she was not going. at all totally and that that's yeah people have like voices and control over their stories now which is good <laughs> yeah yeah, it's, yeah. Just, i don't know it's like this give and take thing with technology and punk where it needs it like the, it wouldn't have happened without the tape deck and the photocopier and yeah you know but, but it's, and kinkos like how many free zines were stolen from kinkos yeah, you know totally it, maybe it's about like finding those places in the in the matrix to kind of be yourself i guess yeah we're constantly evolving to figure out where that is yeah so how did pale hound come together pale hound was not an intentional like thing at all it was just kind of like i had was writing songs and i wanted to record them and i was really inspired by um i record i i knew that i had some friends who were in a band called ava luna that i was like really inspired by and they had a studio in the silent barn in brooklyn um called gravesend studio and so i recorded some songs with them um and silent barn like talk about just like a an amazing space like you'd walk in and there was like a punk doing like a a haircut for like like in the middle of the venue you know what i mean like it was just like completely like that was like that place blew my mind there's like a recording studio next to the record store next to the barber next to the performance art piece like you know (laughs) it's just like just like so amazing blew my mind um but like 
I yeah I was I just recorded a few songs and then I put them up on Bandcamp and I was like just to show my friends um and I was just like what's a cool sounding band name <laughs> okay I guess Pale Hound and then that's when yeah I started kind of like that's that was like my first release on Exploding in Sound Records and then I was like in a community and then I started getting like I was really I was 19 when I put out my first EP and I like immediately got press um which was lucky and also in hindsight I think a little damaging you know I think that's like a little young <laughs> for that um but yeah that's how pale hunts and then I was like oh this is like a thing that's happening now that's crazy I'm just gonna roll with it it's interesting how that attention changes you and you yeah. know like it doesn't have to be on like the Avril Lavigne hyper level like any level of sort of like attention it's going to alter the way you kind of like approach not just like your your art in sort of a you know i'm not gonna say it's, it's going to change the way you make art but it's just going to change the way you look at art i find like per, from my personal experience oh my god entirely like my first ever piece of press ever was a pitchfork track review yeah and i that day my fucking inbox i was like 19 i like had no idea what's going on i had like a full a full inbox of like booking agents and labels and all this stuff and i just said no to all of them because i was just like i need to learn how to do this like i like i turned down like a couple booking agents and i was like i want to book my own tours and like learn the ropes of things which i'm really grateful for i'm actually impressed that my 19 year old brain had that instinct yeah. because if i had signed with a big agent and a label and stuff that would have just been the i wouldn't have learned shit and then i spent years like booking on my own tours and you know doing minivan tours and sleeping on floors and i think that was like so important you know it's amazing how many bands kind of got sucked up and it's not pitchfork's fault at all because it did i mean benefit. it kind of is <laughs> well it kind of is but no, no, I'm like, I'm, like oh. I, I'm saying this is someone who benefited yeah, yeah, from the pitchfork system you know, but it also it hurts when they when they get that bad review. It definitely does not feel good. <laughs> no. um, but but the power that wielded, you know, like unless you were in twenty thirteen, it yeah. was crazy. Like, yeah, like it was twenty thirteen, unreal. Like I know they don't have that power anymore, which I'm actually a little yeah. I think it's the last. I don't think anyone should. Well, no, but I think it's the last vestige of that kind of power existing to like, like make an artist. Power. Yeah in that yeah. way like because critical culture is kind of not dead but like it it's it's not what it was not at all you know i mean yeah it's not at all what it was and i think that like yeah and that was just i had no i didn't even know what pitchfork was when that <laughs> happened i literally had no idea what pitchfork was <laughs> then that would have like, been a shock <laughs> that was a it was a complete shock i was like yeah my dan golden who ran exploding in sound was like oh there's a pitchfork is gonna you know write this write about this and i was like i don't know what that is but that sounds cool <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was like oh, okay that was bigger than i thought it was and you know i i got pretty overwhelmed but um and then yeah it changed how i viewed music and i'm i'm once again really grateful that i like chose to do the diy path i think partly because i was inspired by the people i saw around me doing it i think if i hadn't had that community that i would have gotten totally sucked into oh my god this label this this but i was so enamored and inspired by the diy scene that i was like no i like want to pay my dues a little bit you know like that's gonna make me a stronger artist um but that's shit still like made it harder for me to understand how to write and move forward you know well, unless you like, you know, unless it's one of those things that does wind up being the lottery and you wind up taking off and getting a hit song and then just kind of, I guess, Avril Lavigne kind of career 
trajectory after that, you're going to need those skills that you learned from doing that touring. Totally. Like we just started getting a TM like a year ago after like, and I've been doing this for like 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, and it's huge because now I like, and I think it's like, I'm grateful for everything that happens now. Like we didn't have that huge moment and then it was like all downhill from there or something. It's like, I now know like that, like, wow, a buyout from a venue. That's crazy. You know, like, (laughs) oh, like we can afford hotels on tour now. What? You know, like, I think that makes the whole experience, even though it can be frustrating, you know, like the slowness of it, it can also, I just, yeah, feel like has saved me in a lot of ways. Yeah. I feel it's like, it's easier to scale up than to scale down and to totally. like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine <laughs> having gotten used to being on a bus and then now to be back in the van. Like I'm glad I've Fuck just no. never gotten used to anything but the van. Yeah, literally. I'm like, we've never bust. I'm like, that's going to be, if we ever get to, I'm just going to can't even believe that. But you know, we've, <sighs> we still still have yet to. We, I did it one time because I ditched fucked up and got on with the Bronx when we were on tour of the Bronx on their bus. And it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah, I've heard it's awesome. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, but that's the thing is that I'm like glad that I'm like, maybe someday, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of fun to have things to look forward to and to also just like appreciate that stuff. You know, it's like we just did so much horrible touring (laughs) (laughs) just like the (laughs) least comfortable, like, like so many near death experiences, like, you know, just shit like that where it's like, you know now i can really just be super grateful for every like thing that comes and i'm that's a gift you know oh, oh absolutely like to be able to kind of uh yeah like I, I i i wish i was at that level that i would never have to fear going back to the van but i yeah. was always scared of going back to the van so when we would have had to go back to the van we were already in it which is <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm like here we go like we haven't toured in like over like by the time we tour next it'll have been over a year and you know we're we're working on the van rental right now and i'm like let's fucking i'm like i'm like look calculating the drive times and i'm like let's go yeah yeah get get ready for lots of chipotle lots (laughs) of (laughs) weird smells and gas stations but i love that part of touring i'll say like i think like the bus i would love to do a bus someday but i think i would really miss like the weird shit that happens on tour when you find like a fucked up gas station and someone says something weird, you know, like, I think I'd miss that. Yeah, you're right. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely have, <laughs> like when we went to the, we, we, we nearly broke down on the last tour somewhere in Illinois that had a let's go Brandon store. Oh my God. A store, a store. Like, see, that shit is dark, but also it's like, I'm glad I know that that's like, you're seeing shit actually, as opposed to like waking up in a city and just kind of like going to the, you know, bougie coffee shop or something like you're actually, I do like being able to actually see what's going on. It it makes you realize that there's a bubble in every town of cool people and you, you really appreciate those bubbles when you get back to them in each town because sometimes they're surrounded by not so great (laughs) places totally and it's scary out there you know like my whole band is like at this point now like um nobody is a cis man like we're all like trans or or women and it's scary out there you know it's it's not it's you know like like you know i have uh, you know like going into a bathroom at a gas station it's like shit like that does turn into a risk and that is the one thing that would be cool to avoid <laughs> with touring yeah. is just like the, the the danger of it like touring is fucking dangerous like not even just that but like driving a lot is dangerous and like shit like that so that's the one thing that i would love to someday be able to like 
you know not have to worry about is like our actual fucking physical safety on the road but like i do i do just like love the whole adventure of it i think that's a completely reasonable thing to want to divest yourself of is worrying about your personal safety on the road literally yeah that's we've had like so many near-death experiences on tour it's like insane (laughs) it it, it's what you're right also just on the traffic side of things like how many of us are just driving and just the things you see and and just like how unsafe some of these drives are not because of you or anything you're doing but because the people around you yeah and it really does give you like a good perspective on like you know i've like you know grew up on the in the northeast which is like in and of itself kind of a bubble and it's like no this is actually like what this country is like like this is actually like what people like ingest on billboards and stuff It, it has really like woken me up in a lot of ways and not to undercut america because i think america certainly has broadcasted that terrible side of things um a lot but like you it's like that everywhere like certainly oh yeah i mean canada's not great either you guys like have i've been horrible to indigenous people forever like you know and and jordan peterson gavin mcginnis they were canadian inventions that we gave to america like sorry thank thank you Uh, yeah sorry um that's why we say sorry it's all okay. the time. We've done a lot worse. <laughs> you don't have to, but we've done a lot worse. And But you see it in Europe too, right? Like when you're driving in parts of Bavaria and you you really are like, oh shit, like there are cool pockets and we are all interconnected little cool communities within punk, but we're some people are definitely surrounded by fairly adverse conditions to be in those cool communities. And that's where, full circle, pop punk and punk in like the greater you know sphere is really helpful because mm-hmm. it's so inaccessible if you're in, not in the right place at the right time you know so like that's yeah just something to think about too i guess no you're right 100 percent. like it's an incredibly in a way it's like an incredibly privileged thing to be like fuck bikini kill for having that song in 10 things i hate about you because yeah. you had access to them you know, but there's people that didn't, and that would be the first place they saw them. Like, holy shit, like that would have been amazing to get. Totally. Like, I think that stuff can be so pretentious sometimes when we're just mm-hmm. like, fuck you for selling out. Like, I get there's elements of selling out that are just terrible, you know, obviously. And, you know, but I think like that stuff to me doesn't really fall under that umbrella because I'm just like, why not just like inspire more people and reach more people, you know? Like, and it if does. You, if you're doing something good. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like, it does, right? Like, there's a, there's you know you need to get these segments of the population access to music and avril lavigne was talking about dillinger four and rolling stone magazine totally i mean and she was like you know and also just like it is cool to hear you say that shit about her bandmates being from like the diy community from the local community because i could sense that in those music videos that they actually had a connection and actual like like i think that was part of why avril in particular hooked me is because those music videos is like they look like friends they look like a band they look like people who love to play and i really just like gravitated towards that like immediately like I, that was one of the things i loved about her first was that she had a band that were like her friends and they were like fucking around in malls and stuff and i was like that's it, the it, dream it got so crazy in the wake of that avril lavigne thing blowing up that i remember like a couple of the dudes from her band i think they maybe even had left by this point but they did like a, a show in toronto and simon cowell was there <laughs> unbelievable it's like what the hell is going on here come on simon cowell yeah simon cowell there you go it's like at the diy gig (laughs) yeah he was he was just a few years ahead of his time he could have been like really cashing if he had like done that now that's true (laughs) 
Uh, this has been awesome, Ellen. Anytime you want to come back on this show and talk about punk or oh, yeah. pop punk or punk pop, you're always welcome. Awesome. Thank you. I would love to chill sometime. Are you coming to New York anytime soon? Are you touring? I think we're coming maybe in the fall. Man, I'm going to be gone in the fall. We're touring and we're trying to book a Toronto date because I love playing Toronto, but we don't have anything in October, hopefully in like the um, next spring. It's become like a, it's become harder to tour. Like that's the other For thing that sure. I, and like crossing like, the border post COVID, it's just like, is know. it harder now for you guys than for uh, in the states coming up here? Um, I think it's just like things. I don't know. I think I've heard we have always been really lucky at the border, but I think I, I've been hearing more about it recently from some people, and I think it's just like the border is just fucking always a bummer. Yeah, probably way a, worse for you guys. It, it's a crapshoot, you know. Like it really, uh, yeah, it really depends. Like I think there's obviously acknowledging white privilege and a lot of the border crossing stuff that we deal with um but there's you know not but but also there is the uh just the luck of the draw right like if you have a person the more it becomes automated not that i want to live in an automated world but i find that the automation of it leaves less oh this person hasn't had a cup of coffee and they're gonna fuck up my my life right now or yeah or oh, this person has like is deeply prejudiced or like yeah. you know i mean not for like you know obviously we have like yeah the white privilege element but just for other people it's just like yeah they think the automation i mean i don't know because automation also is built by people who have prejudice <laughs> and it's i think it's inescapable <laughs> that's true that's true at least i guess you're not looking the person in the eye now no. you're looking the robot in the eye and just who was built the by the person yeah. who <laughs> would pull you over <laughs> yeah that's true that's yeah. true it's not it's not better is it it's even more dystopic in a way here it, we go <laughs> it, 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 but it has like i find like getting shows like we haven't been able to tour the west coast on our last record just because it's been impossible to line up american west coast yeah the american west coast because it's, it's been impossible. really highly saturated because everyone's trying to make up for lost time yep. it's competitive out there and i think every band rooms. well and i think and, and every band that hadn't toured was sitting at home being like oh geez what, what was that grudge over anyway let's just get back out there literally so we're all competing now it's we need we need more diy spaces for us to play in these empty condos that they're building on top of literally why are we all competing this should be like a i don't know that's my biggest grievance with fucking music is that i'm just like can't we all like work I've, together and just enjoy the com just being around each other and i don't know whatever not to be I, like and on a hippy dippy no but I, I remember even saying to vice you know obviously i was just like doing like a tv show and making documentaries so it's not in any sort of high position there but i remember saying to someone advice like when they bought the building why the fuck are you tearing down a venue why not just put a venue in the bottom of your building or find like, another building or like <laughs> or like let them stay in that space what and just hell? be on top of it like give it rent free and so they don't and like then you're contributing to the culture instead of building on top of it you're literally like yeah destroying it i don't know that shit was so fucked i remember at death when death by audio closed um i saw i wasn't at the last show but there was like vice magazines just ripped up all over the floor and like it, people would just been yeah it was a vibe at um what was the death by audio what was the one before that, that 285 closed? kent 285 kent too yeah it was a pretty intense vibe and then because it uh, took away such an important few spaces that were just great places like important great i don't know whatever well then it's <laughs> when vice, well when the vice because they're the they like moved to that i remember when they moved to williamsburg in their very first office uh going to that office because of when they were trying to sign fucked up and just being like 
oh, there's a reason they moved here is because this could be like such a cool place. There's so many spaces for things to happen here. And then that winds up happening. And then instead of <laughs> leaning into it or supporting it, anyway, this it did end on a bummer note. I think that's so crazy. Up. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, know. We should, we're we're going to go off about this for like an hour. I know. I know. Well, yeah. uh, anytime you want to come back and go off on it, though, you're always anytime. Welcome. Just hit me up. I'm always ready to go off. Thank you, L, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, L will be back at some point in the future to talk more about punk, DIY, uh, Avril Lavigne, Simple Plan. I, you know, I've never gotten a chance to talk about either of those two groups. And I got deep information. I can tell you stories about playing shows with Reset, pre-Simple Plan. I tell you show, stories about uh, meeting Avril Lavigne when Skater Boy just come out. All sorts of stuff. There's like, you know, it's not just punk there's like pop music stuff yeah, anyway. I'm, I'm 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 rambling again aren't i coming up on the next episode of turned out a punk uh i think it's gonna be a splits i'm pretty sure it's gonna be a splits it is gonna be a splits with jerry a from poison idea and the biggest poison idea fan i know chris menacucci aka cooch from radio rahim from Kane painkiller records from Righteous Jams and MFD, like so many incredible bands. We'll talk about it all next week on the show, but it's a fun one. It's a long one. It's it's with Jerry A, so it's, it's got to be a great one. The greatest vocalist of all time. The greatest vocalist of all time. All right, that's it for this week's show. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives and issues of Indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights and stop hate and violence and discrimination towards people of different sexualities, different religions, different um, cultural backgrounds. Because we're not talking about politics here. This is just basic, basic human rights. People deserve to be able to live free from hate and violence and discrimination. So if there's organizations around you that are doing positive work and, and uh, affecting positive change in this world, get involved. Get involved in groups and organizations that are trying to make this world a better place. I would add to this list of human rights things. We got to make sure that people have the rights to choose what they want to do with their reproductive systems. And so, yeah, get involved, uh, do something. Cause right now the world can seem very overwhelming and it can feel like there's nothing you can do. And there are certain things that would be very hard for us to affect change on, but there are other things that we can't affect change on. So, you know, uh, affect that change. Speaking about affecting change, if you want to do something that's punk scene, just do it. Start a band, start a fanzine, start a podcast. Maybe not a podcast, but anyone can do this shit. And and this thing gets better once you get involved in it. So maybe it's just drawing flyers for bands. Maybe it's just helping someone put up flyers. Maybe it's just finding out if you can uh, help out at shows or something. There's lots of ways to get involved. Uh, speaking about getting involved, get involved with organ transplants. Like the poor segue. Sign your organ donor cards, because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them anymore, and they can perform miracles. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. I've seen miracles performed by organ transplant. And uh, try meditating. Just slow it all down. Try breathing. Try relaxing. It feels really good. When meditating kicks in and you start doing it, oh my gosh, it starts feeling really good. And that's it. 
I have nothing else to say, nothing else to ramble on about. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.